0: may be seated. I'm excited about what God has prepared for us uh, this morning from his word. Every word in this word is the word of God to you and me. This word is profitable. It's useful for teaching us, correcting us, rebuking us, and training us in righteousness so that we will be prepared today, this morning, for all that God has planned for us today and every day this week. We are continuing in our sermon series titled, Not in the Word. We are looking at statements that are commonly believed to be in God's Word that are not in the Word. Statements that if we believe and follow will actually lead us away from God's Word. It is so important for us to know and obey God's Word because the more we know and obey God's Word, the better we will be at recognizing and resisting what's not in the Word. We identified last week the statement, God will not give me more than I can handle. This sounds biblical, but it's not in the Word. This statement, God will not give me more than I can handle, encourages us to depend on ourselves, to trust in our strength, to live for Jesus according to our ability, to persevere in our power. And when we follow this statement and believe in this statement, it leads us away from the truth of God's word. And so we understand what God has shared with us in his word is God will give us more than we can handle. God gives us more than we can handle every day all through the day because God wants us to depend on him. All God's assignments for us are too much for us, but not for God. And as we depend on God, he empowers us to handle whoever and whatever comes our way day by day because we simply cannot handle whoever or whatever comes our way in our power and wisdom. And so we understand how important it is for us to realize that God will give us more than we can handle every day all through the day. Why? Because he wants us to depend on him. So let's look at this next statement that I want us to identify and focus in on this morning, and that is the statement, trust your heart. Trust your heart. This statement is shared often as encouragement to others who are facing a difficult decision. A person will share about a difficult decision that they are facing And someone will say at some point, oftentimes, well, just trust your heart. Well-meaning Christ followers will share these words with others thinking that they are sharing biblical words of wisdom. Trust your heart also means follow your heart, and we understand that to be true because we follow who or what we trust. And so it's either trust your heart or follow your heart that is commonly shared by many uh, in our culture, even by some in the church today. The problem is this statement is not in God's word. The statement is not in God's word. Trust your heart is not good counsel to give to others or to receive from others. Trusting our heart is, is unwise let me repeat that trusting our heart is unwise god will not give me more than i can handle encourages us to depend on our power which is a certain recipe for failure trust your heart encourages us to depend on our perceptions which is also a certain recipe for failure so why is it unwise to trust our heart? Why is it unwise counsel to give to others or to receive from others this counsel, trust your heart or follow your heart? In order to answer that question, I want to invite you to open your Bibles to the Old Testament book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah. The Old Testament book of Jeremiah, chapter 17, will be the base foundation passage for our time together as we look at this statement, identify God's Word and what God's Word says to us and how it will influence and impact us this day and this week as we live in obedience to God's Word. Jeremiah 17, quick background, Jeremiah was a priest and prophet of God who served the people of Judah. In Jeremiah's time, as we look in this passage, we understand that Israel was divided at this point in time, into the northern kingdom named Israel, which consisted of 10 tribes, and the southern kingdom named Judah, which consisted of two tribes. Jeremiah's messages and prophecies were most often for the people of Judah. He was a priest or prophet of God who served the people of Judah. However, there were times when what Jeremiah had to say would be addressed to other nations as well. Jeremiah's message focused in on rebuking the people of Judah for their sin against God, reminding them of God's judgment on sin and calling them to repent of their sin and return to God. Jeremiah, his message and ministry was extremely challenging, uh, especially when you understand and realize most of his message and ministry focused around confronting and rebuking the people of Judah for their sin and rebellion against God. And so we come together, Jeremiah 17, I'll begin reading in verse 1. Uh, Jeremiah wrote, The sin of Judah is written with an iron stylus, with a diamond point. It is engraved on the tablet of their hearts and on the horns of their altars. Real quick, The people of Judah were guilty of the sin of idolatry. We're guilty of the sin of worshiping other gods. We see here that Jeremiah used an illustration. He said, it is etched with an iron stylus, an iron stylus with a diamond point. An iron stylus with a diamond point was a tool used in this day and time to engrave on stone, to etch or to engrave words on stone. Jeremiah here in verse 1 was rebuking the people of Judah for their sin of idolatry. He was in essence saying, instead of God's laws and God's truths being etched on your hearts, it is your sin and rebellion against God that is etched on the tablets of your heart. That is etched there. He continues in verse 2, while their children remember their altars and their asherah poles by the green trees on the high hills. My mountains in the countryside, your wealth and all your treasures, I will give up as plunder because of the sin of your high places within all your borders. You will of yourself relinquish your inheritance that I gave you. I will make you serve your enemies in a land you do not know for you have set my anger on fire. It will burn forever. The sin of idolatry uh, that the people of Judah were guilty of was rampant what they did was they set up altars in high places and worshiped other gods all over the land God had given to them all over the promised land within the land within all your borders Jeremiah says and so because of their sin of idolatry their idol worship God's holy anger his wrath was kindled against them was burning against them Because of their sin and their rebellion against him and their idolatry. And so we see real clear how God begins to respond to them. Now we know and understand that God is a righteous God, that God's a holy God. And so we know in our personal walk with the Lord and we know according to the truth of God's word that God punishes and God disciplines us when we sin against him. And God punished and disciplined the people of Judah for their sin of idolatry through King Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon came and they wiped out Judah. They came and they plundered Jerusalem, and they took many of the people in Judah back into captivity in Babylon. As you see uh, there in verse 3 and 4, and specifically in verse 4, I will make you serve your enemies, that being the Babylonians, King Nebuchadnezzar, in a land that you do not know, that being the land of Babylon. And so we see, again, God had over and over and over and over warned them, and rebuked them, and called them to repentance through his prophets, specifically through Jeremiah, and they continued to resist. And now God was bringing his discipline upon them for their sin against him, their sin of idolatry. We continue in verse 5. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the man who trusts in mankind, who makes human flesh his strength and turns his heart from the Lord. He will be be like a juniper and the Arabah. He cannot see when good comes, but dwells in the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land where no one lives. Now, if you just read that and you don't understand all the background, you would think to yourself, man, that doesn't sound too good. Wow. And so what Jeremiah did here is he presents an amazing contrast for us in these four verses. Jeremiah said, those who trust in mankind, in people, in what they can do or in what others can do, rather than trusting in God in what can He can do, they are cursed. He said, "They're cursed." He said, "Cursed is the man who trusts in mankind. They are cursed." He said, "They will be like a juniper tree in the Arabah. Now the Arabah is a desert. It's the desert. It's where it was barren and dry and hot and little to no rainfall and lonely and isolated. And what he's saying here in his rebuke is real clear, and that is simply this, trusting in man, trusting in ourselves, trusting in others rather than trusting in God is not good. It's not good at all. It's like being a juniper tree in the Arabah. It's like being a tree in the middle of the desert longing for refreshment, longing for nutrients, and yet receiving none. To the point where when we trust in ourselves and what we can do or others to do, we can't even see when good comes. We can't even see what God is doing and desiring to do in us because we are trusting himself. Now, continue in verse 7. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord whose confidence indeed is the Lord. He will be like a tree planted by water. It sends its roots out toward a stream. It doesn't fear when heat comes and its foliage remains green. It will not worry in a year of drought or cease producing fruit. Now that's a completely different picture. Jeremiah said, trusting in God... When we trust in God and what he can do, those who trust in God are blessed, they're fruitful, they thrive, they're happy. Why? Because they find out and realize God provides for them in every way. They don't worry or fear their circumstances. They don't worry or fear when they're in between jobs. They don't worry or fear when they get bad news from the doctor. They don't worry or fear when others come against them. They don't worry or fear when others say negative things about them they don't worry or fear when they can't see exactly what's going to happen in their life they don't worry and fear when they don't know what's going to happen they don't worry and fear when things look as bad as it can look why because they know and understand their confidence their hope their trust is in the lord and he never fails them he never fails says here the foliage remains green even when the heat comes and he said in the year of drought they don't, produce, they don't cease producing fruits. Those who trust in the Lord are blessed. Notice the contrast. Trust God, blessings. Trust man, curses. It could not be more clear here in this passage, which leads us to the point Jeremiah is wanting us to understand, which is in verse 9. Jeremiah continued, the heart is more deceitful than anything else and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Jeremiah answered our question for us in verse 9. Why is it unwise to trust our heart? Why is it not good to receive counsel from others or give counsel to others? focusing in on trusting your heart or following your heart. Why? Because he said clearly there in verse 9, the heart is more deceitful than anything else. Deceitful literally means corrupt. It means fraudulent. It means crooked. It means polluted by sin, completely marred by sin. Here's the reality. Our heart is so sick with sin, we can't even understand it. Our heart is so deceiving and sinful, we can't even recognize it. We don't even realize the depths of how sick our heart is with sin. We don't even realize the depths of how our hearts will deceive us and fail us. We don't even realize this truth in this word, that our hearts are so deceptive. They will fail us every step of our way, every single day, which is why it's so important for us to make the decision not to trust our hearts. It's so deceptive. And he continues then and answers his own question. In verse nine, notice, he says, the heart is more deceitful than anything else, desperately sick, who can understand it? And then he answers his own question in verse 10 for us. And we understand this, this sickness of our heart. And we think of this, and as he's saying these words, he is giving them an illustration that focuses in on them. When he said the heart is more deceitful than anything else, it is desperately sick. Who can understand it? The very people of Judah that Jeremiah is speaking to here were warned again and again and again about their sin of rebellion against God. They were warned not to sin against God. They were warned to turn back from their sin and turn to God, and yet they continued in their rebellion and sin against God. They continued to worship idols. We know Jesus spoke to Peter, and Jesus told Peter, Peter, you will deny me three times before the crow bellows. And Peter looked at Jesus, and he said, uh, no, you're wrong, Jesus. Imagine that. He said, no, you're wrong. He says, even if I have to die, I will not deny you. And the disciples who were around, they agreed, yeah, yeah, we, we won't deny you either, Jesus. We won't, we won't deny you either. Not to be outdone. We know God sent Nathan to David to rebuke David for his sin, focusing it on Uriah And Bathsheba. And when Nathan went to David and rebuked him and confronted him for his sin from the Lord who sent him to David, David didn't even realize that Nathan was talking about him at first. Didn't even realize it. Our hearts are so sinful, sick, and deceptive. We don't even understand it. We can't even grasp it. We don't even realize it. The truth of the matter is, we defend self, we excuse self, and we justify self because we seek self. We're quick to defend ourselves, we're quick to excuse ourselves, we're quick to justify ourselves. And the main reason for that is because we're seeking self, which is why Jesus himself said to us in Luke chapter 9, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take of his cross daily, and follow me. And so we see this truth play out in regards to our heart and trusting our heart and following our heart when Jeremiah says, whoa, 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 wait a second. The heart more deceitful than anything else. It is desperately sick with sin. Let's see what he says in verse 10. He answered his question. He says, I, the Lord, examine the mind. I test the heart to give to each according to his way, according to what his actions deserve. And so we see here God understands our heart. God tests our heart. God rewards our heart because God knows our heart. And we know that God is a righteous judge, God is a just judge, God is a holy judge. And so we understand clearly from this passage, trusting our heart is not wise for us. And counseling others to trust their heart or the Father of their heart is not good counsel for us to give to others. And it's certainly not good counsel for us to receive from others. Let me quickly, briefly, let's just take a moment and let's look at the biblical meaning of heart so we make sure we understand what we're talking about here when we're talking about the heart. In the Old Testament and New Testament, heart has a similar meaning. Heart, as we see here used in Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9, is from the Hebrew word lave. And lave or heart is used in the Old Testament over 590 times. In the New Testament, many of the authors of the New Testament use the word heart, and most often they use the word heart, and that word is cardia. And cardia, or heart, in the New Testament is used over 150 times. We get our English words cardiac, cardio, cardiovascular from the Greek word cardia. So heart lave in the Old Testament or cardia in the New Testament means a similar point, it means the same thing, and it means the inner person. It's describing who we are. The heart, biblically, is the center of our personality, our minds, our thinking, our emotions, our feelings, and our will. Heart, biblically, is the wellspring of our spiritual life. It is the foundation of our spiritual life. We see throughout Scripture where God uses the heart and he describes our heart as the the center of our thinking our, our our minds our feelings our actions our personalities when someone talks about the heart they're talking about who we are we see this just for example in proverbs 23 and verse 7 solomon said for as he thinks within himself as for as a man thinks in his heart for as he thinks within himself so he is Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. There we see Solomon connecting the heart as the center of our our personality, of who we are. Jesus himself asked the scribes in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 4. He said, but perceiving their thoughts, Jesus said, listen to what he said, why are you thinking evil things in your hearts? Why are you thinking evil things in your hearts? Jesus, again, reminding us of the, the meaning, the biblical meaning of heart, the center of our minds, our feelings, our thoughts, our emotions, our will, our actions. Jesus also shared this when he shared, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. What is inside our hearts will come out of our mouth. Jesus in Matthew 15, he continued and said, out of your hearts come strivings and murders and wars. All these negative things, the heart biblically it's vitally important for us to understand. The heart, biblically, is, is who we are. Just as our physical heart is important to our physical life, so our spiritual heart is important to our spiritual life. And so we understand what now Jeremiah is talking about and what other authors of Scripture have talked about. When they're talking about heart, they're talking about us, who we are. And so we know and understand our heart is more deceitful than anything else. It's desperately sick with sin. Who can understand it? So... If we can't or we should not trust our heart, if we should not follow our heart, which is clear from God's word, then what does God want us to do with our heart? Well, let me just give you two things that we need to do with our heart for sure. Uh, one, once and for all, and a second, day by day. Number one, I must surrender my heart to God. You and I must surrender our heart to God. We see the heart here that Jeremiah is talking about in Jeremiah 17 verse 9 is the picture of the unregenerated heart, the unredeemed heart. It's the picture of the heart that is set apart from God because of the sin in God, the sin against God. It's the heart that is dead in sin and transgressions. And so we understand and know that the Apostle Paul and many of the authors of the New Testament, John uh, and Peter and Luke, the Apostle Paul, these guys, they talked about the importance of us believing in Jesus and receiving God's gift of salvation by his grace alone through our faith alone in Christ Jesus alone. And we know the Apostle Paul connected God's work of salvation in our lives with our hearts. In Romans 10, 9 and 10, Paul said, if we confess with our mouths Jesus is Lord and believe in our, hearts, say it with me, our hearts... God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It is with our heart that we believe, resulting in righteousness. It's with our mouth that we confess, resulting in salvation. And so we see and understand, we must surrender our hearts. That means we must surrender ourselves. We must surrender our lives to God, placing our faith and trust in Christ Jesus, responding to God's grace at work in our lives through our faith and trust in him. We know that Paul continued in Romans 6. Look at Romans 6 and verses 16 through 18. Paul wrote these words. Do you not know that if you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of that one you obey, either of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? But thank God that although you used to be slaves of sin, when we were dead in our sins and transgressions, you obeyed from the heart. Say that with me. You obeyed from the heart that pattern of teaching you were entrusted to. And having been liberated from sin, you became enslaved to righteousness. What an amazing passage. What great news for you and me. When God saved us and liberated us, From our sin, by his grace alone, through our faith alone in Christ Jesus alone, alone, he gave us a new heart. He gave us a new heart. He gave us a heart after him, a heart of faith in him and obedience to him. We responded to the truth entrusted to us. We responded to God calling us to salvation out of the darkness of sin into the marvelous light of Christ Jesus our Lord. And in so doing, we obeyed from the heart. We gave ourselves to the Lord. We yielded and surrendered our life to God, repented of our sin and placed our faith and trust in Christ Jesus. And we are new from the inside out. We are new creations of Christ. The old has gone, the new has come. We have a heart now, a new heart that God is molding and shaping and, and working and conforming us. And he's conforming our heart to his heart. He's conforming us to the image of his son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. And so we know we are right with God by faith in Jesus and we desire to live for God in obedience to Jesus. Why? Because we have obeyed from the heart. We have received God's gift of salvation. We are new creations in Christ. The old has gone, the new has come, and we are able to focus in on living our lives for Christ, which leads us to the second point, and that second point is I must yield my heart to God day by day. We surrender our heart to God. What does God want us to do with our hearts? He doesn't want us to trust our heart or follow our heart. He wants us to surrender our heart to Him, and then He wants us to yield our heart to Him day by day. We grow in our faith in God, as we yield our heart to God day by day. So this is that work of sanctification. Step number one is the work of salvation. Step number two is the work of sanctification. We yield our heart to God day by day. We surrender to him. We submit to him so that he can continue his work in and through us. And we see biblically there's some ways in which we can yield our heart to God. Three ways we yield our heart to God. Number one I must ask God, I must ask God to search my heart, to search my heart. As the psalmist David said in Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24, search my heart, God, and know my, search my heart and know my thoughts. Test me and know my concerns. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. Lead me in that everlasting way towards you, O God. Then that passage, in Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24, if it's up there, you can see, just look at this passage. In these two verses, there are six imperative commands, six for us to obey in this passage. Six imperatives, search me, know my heart, test me, know my concerns, see if there's any offense worthy of me, lead me in the everlasting way. And so as we yield our heart to God each day, what does that mean? It means we ask God to search our hearts and convict us of any sin so that we might confess our sin to God and receive his forgiveness of our sins. No one understand, when we ask God to search our hearts, he will do it. Amen? He will search our hearts. He will identify sin in our lives. He will convict us of sin. Why? Because he loves us. And he wants what's best for us. And he wants us to confess our sin to him so that we might receive his forgiveness and continue growing in our faith in him. So that work of sanctification continues in us. Remember, sin must go so we can grow in Christ Jesus. As Jesus himself said, blessed are the pure in heart, because they will see God. So if we're going to yield our heart to God each day, that means we ask God to search our hearts God, search my heart, convict me of any sin so I might confess it and receive your forgiveness. Then we ask God to guard our hearts. Solomon said in Proverbs four twenty three, guard your heart above all else for it is the source of life. Guard your heart above all else. The heart biblically reminds us uh, that we know the heart is the, the center of us. It's who we are. And so we understand and realize that we need to ask God each day as we yield our heart to God, God, would you search me, convict me so that I might receive your forgiveness and continue walking with you? God, would you guard my heart? God, would you help me to guard my heart? That word guard is an imperative. It's a command. It means to guard or keep watch over. And so we understand we need God's help to live God's way. And so we need to guard our hearts so that we don't wander away from God into sin. And we desperately need God's help to guard our hearts so that we don't wander away from him into sin. So we yield our hearts to God each day. We yield ourselves. God, would you search me? God, would you guard my heart? God, would you help me to say no to sin and yes to the Savior? God, would you help me to recognize those temptations before I get right up on them? Help me to see those temptations coming. God, would you guard my heart? Would you protect me and my thoughts and my desires from turning away from you and turning to sin? And then we ask God, Finally, to fill my heart with your word. God, fill my heart with your word. As the psalmist said in Psalm 119 and verses 9 through 11, how can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping your word. I have sought you with all my heart. Do not let me wander from your commands. I've treasured your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. So as we yield our hearts to God day by day, We understand that we don't need to trust our hearts or follow our hearts. We understand in and of ourselves the sickness of our hearts. We understand that our hearts are prone to wander away from God into sin at a moment's notice. We understand the Apostle Paul who said the things I don't want to do, I do, and the things I do want to do, I don't. What a wretched man I am. We understand this battle that rages within us on a day-by-day basis. We understand how Peter told us to abstain from those sinful desires which rage and war inside us. The battle to live for self rather than to live for the Savior. And so knowing that, we surrender our hearts to God and we place our faith in Christ Jesus. And knowing this, we yield our heart to God day by day. We ask God, God, would you search my heart? Because we are quick to wander away from him into sin. God, would you guard my heart? Because I realize and understand that my heart is more deceitful than anything else. And though, Father God, you've redeemed me and you've placed a new heart within me. God, I know and understand that I am prone to wander away from you and to sin. And so God, would you guard my heart? And then we ask God to fill our hearts with his word. You see, the more we hide God's word in our hearts, the more we Fill our hearts and minds with God's Word, the more we will live on guard against sin, the more we will live on guard against temptation. As we hide God's Word in our hearts, and the more we do that, the more we fill our hearts and minds with God's Word, the more we will delight ourselves in the Lord, the more we will grow in our love for the Lord, the more we will walk in obedience to the Lord, the more we will grow in our faith in the Lord. We ask God, to search us. We ask God to guard us and then we ask God to fill our hearts with his word as we discipline ourselves to get into this word, to study this word, to memorize this word and in so doing, as we memorize and hide this word in our hearts, we are actually guarding our hearts and the more we fill our hearts and minds with this word, we are providing opportunities for God to search us the truth of his word, drawing us closer and closer and closer to him. And so, clearly, clearly, Trust your heart. Follow your heart. It's not wise counsel to give to others or receive from others. We know God wants us to surrender our heart to Him, to yield our heart to Him day by day. So, what's the truth of this statement? The truth of the statement is real simple trust in God. Say that with me. Trust in God. Trust in God. Trust in God. Trust in God. We see this in Jeremiah chapter 17. Look at Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 7. We don't need any other encouragement than right here in this passage. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence indeed is in the Lord trust in God, trust in God, trust in God. What do we need to do step by step, day by day, moment by moment? We need to trust in God. What is wise counsel for us to give to others and receive from others? Trust in God. Trust in the truth of God's word. Trust in the Lord. As Solomon said, with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, Think about God in all your ways and he will guide you on right paths. As the psalmist said, O Lord God Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. As Isaiah the prophet said, you will keep in perfect peace the mind that is dependent upon you for it is trusting in you. Trust in God, trust in God, trust in God. Trust in God. He never changes. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. Trust in God. He never fails us. Trust in God. He never forgets us. Trust in God. He never forsakes us. Trust in God. His love never ends. Trust in God. His word lasts forever. Trust in God. His grace never fails. Trust in God. He wants what is best for us. Trust in God. He knows what is best for us. Trust in God. He does what is best for us. Blessings abound for you and for me as we trust in God. As we trust in God, He never fails. Trust in God. Trust in God. Trust in God. God. Chad and I were talking about this sermon and he knew what topic it was preached on so he sent me a picture last night he was out shopping and he sent me his picture it was a picture of a, of a sign and it was, it was a really nice sign beautiful artwork the sign said this follow your heart it is the only compass you need in this world Follow your heart. It's the only compass you need in this world. And we texted back and forth. And the more I thought about that sign and that message on that sign, it's certainly the message of the world. The world would say, "Follow your heart." Trust your heart. It's the only compass you need in this world. The more I thought about it, you know, the the reality is uh, that sign is, is true. It's true. Follow your heart. It's the only compass you need in this world if you want to spend the rest of eternity separated from God in a very real in painful place called hell. Praise God. He tells us in his word, no, no, don't trust your heart. Don't follow your heart. It's more deceitful than anything else. It's desperately sick with sin. Don't do it. says, trust in me, follow me. And the price that was paid for us to trust in him was the price of his son, our savior, Jesus Christ. And so we know this morning that the truth of God's word says, trust in God and you will be blessed by God. With the abundant life here on this earth and with eternal life in heaven one day for all eternity. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Think about God in all your ways and he will guide you on right paths. His paths for his honor and his glory. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. Our worship team is going to come and lead in this time of invitation.